0: Matthew 6, 9 and 14 Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Good morning, Redemption Tucson. My name's Steven, one of the pastors here. And man, what a sweet script reading we had just the last two weeks, getting to have those videos from Redemption Kids. It's just, it's just a reminder of of the sweetness of our church family. And thanks for the volunteers who made that happen. And. Just hear from us as church leaders, we, we miss you guys, we miss being together, and uh, so thankful for the gifts of technology that allow us to gather from across the city, state, country, and even the world, knowing there's some folks even on deployment that are tuning in and, and but we miss you, we really miss you and so uh, just as we kick off this, this time preaching in, in god's word um, we're going we're to close our time in the Lord's Prayer, and our prayer about this sermon series is that it would grow our appetites for prayer, it would grow our collective heart for prayer together. And so what we're going to be doing today is looking at this last stanza, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how D- Jesus taught us to pray. So before we dive in, let's pray. Um, I don't want to just say some words here. I want to be empowered by the same spirit that uh, wrote the Bible, that we might be able to understand it and have this time be helpful for all of us. So join me in praying. God, thank you for this opportunity to get to preach. It's always an honor and a privilege. Um, Would you help me to handle your word in a way that is pleasing to you, that is accurate and right, that is profitable for all of us, that we might love you and follow you and serve you. God, teach us to pray. Thank you for this prayer. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to be a people of prayer. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, change the hard parts of our hearts and uh, soften our hearts to your word. Soften our hearts to your way. Soften our hearts to your will. Lord, use this morning for your glory. God, use me as a vessel to communicate your truth. God, in your name we pray. Amen. So as we start this uh, morning, uh, I I think it's important that we remember that this is not, this prayer is not an archaic mantra, but it's a prayer that's meant to be lived. Uh, It's also not a tweet. It finds itself in a context. And this prayer is at the center. It's at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's manifesto for kingdom living. And we see this prayer as the engine. It is uh, this communion with God, what this prayer is is fueling is the engine to that kingdom living. But if we live like this, according to this way of Jesus, we will encounter opposition, whether that's temptation or evil. If we live this way, we will be misunderstood, church. We will face trials and we will face difficulty. Remember Daniel not bowing down to idols of Babylon ends up in a lion's den. Jesus ends up on a cross. Jesus' followers, almost for the most part, are all murdered. Allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom means you are not in uniform for any other. And that will create opposition. Testing, trials, temptation, they are before us and they are ahead of us, church. But they always have been. From the day we put our faith in Jesus, we were guaranteed trials. We were guaranteed temptations. We were guaranteed opposition and difficulty. But we were also guaranteed that we would not walk through any of it alone. God is with us. And that language of deliver us, I want us to cue in on. Picture the people of God after the Exodus, they've been emancipated from Egypt and they are crossing the desert, led by God toward the promised land. And we are on a pilgrimage as well, church, following Jesus, empowered by the spirit, toward life eternal. And it's going to be a long, hard, and difficult journey. But even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for our God is with us. Amen? Amen means I'm tracking. Uh, these guys were teasing me earlier because I said I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm literally preaching to the choir here. Um, I don't know if that's just a dad joke or what, but I guess I'm part of the club now, so uh, I'm going for it. So uh, to give us some tracks to run on, guys, uh, I got three points for us. Uh, We're going to be talking about temptation, we're going to be talking about evil, and then we better talk about some good news after those two points. So let's get after it. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, this big idea of temptation. To understand the prayer of Jesus, though, I want us to look at the brother of Jesus, James, uh, who says this in James 1. So I'm going to give us a second to turn there. Uh, James is at the end of your Bibles, uh, but if you don't know where James is, look in the table of contents. Uh, that would be the natural place to look for, for, for any book you're reading, uh, uh, much less the Bible. So turn to James chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 4. And James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Testing, temptations, and trials are all used by God to grow us and shape us and to make us more like Jesus. I actually heard this from another Redemption lead pastor that the word testing, temptation, and trials all share the same root word. And it's pretty hard to distinguish what's really what in that, especially in the moment. It can be pretty hard to tell. Scripture says that testing proves the genuineness of our faith to God. These trials are used by God to help grow us and to refine us, Scripture says. And that in temptation, God is faithful and always provides the way of escape. No one enjoys a season of tempting or of testing or of trial. So don't feel bad if you're not enjoying a season like this. But we can rejoice in trials knowing that God is with us. He is faithful to us and he is not, he is wasting nothing that this broken world throws at us. God is wasting nothing that you're walking through. Nothing is pointless or vanity. As a reality God is using it all. God is with you in this trial that we're walking through today as well. And so as we face this mountain of a trial before us of coronavirus, I believe we have a test before us as well, church. We're gonna get into this in the following weeks. I know Dave's gonna do an incredible job walking through this, but we're facing a test of endurance and unity, of endurance and division. Will we endure, church, in faith and hope and love? Will we keep walking in the way of Jesus? Or will we give up? Will we check out? The way is difficult and it is narrow and it requires endurance. The desert is long and the mountain is high. This is a hard road we are on. Will we keep marching faithfully with Jesus? And then also, will we stay one? Will we stay one in the journey? Will we stay unified under the banner of Jesus and nothing else? Or will we devour one another as the divisions around us rage? Will we choose to love and bear with one another, let's be honest, and and stay one? Will we shine brightly as an enduring people, as a unified people in the midst of this really difficult trial we're in, church? The temptations to divide, to check out, to turn inward, to turn on each other are all around us. And I want to give us a charge to stand firm, to stand firm in the way of Jesus, to keep pressing in. So let's keep pressing in to, to James 1 together. Look, look a little further down in verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when, don't miss this, he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. This is important. God tempts no one. God tempts no one. We got to get this idea out of our head, this picture out of our head. God is not creating this labyrinth or this maze of tests and temptations and these booby traps and landmines to see can you pass the test as if he's conniving and cruel. And that's not our God. Our God is a good shepherd and a loving father. And furthermore, I mean, what does the text say? I mean, it literally says that, I mean, a major ingredient of temptation is that temptation comes from our own desires, it's, it's welling up from within us. And in my life, I've seen that so much of my sin comes back to disordered desires. Look at James's trajectory. He says, Temptation and desire lead to sin, which leads to death. So, a key to growth for any of us as Christians is the reorientation of desire. So much of our sin is not that we're desiring. Bad things, but we're actually desiring good things in the wrong way. What am I talking about? Take approval. Approval is a good thing. We're made by God and for God in His image. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. We're we're, we're made for community. Approval is a good thing, affirmation is a good thing. But ultimately, if we care more about the approval of a boss or of of a lover or a spouse or of a community, that will jeopardize our fidelity and faithfulness to Christ. So say you, 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 we rightly care about approval, but we care more about the approval of a boss. Well, that boss, in allegiance to him or her, in this idea of, of approval being what we're seeking the most of, approval of this person. That's where I'm going to find my identity. My validation is I have this job or I want to get this job. We might be willing to do our work in a way or treat others under us in a way that isn't, in the way of Jesus, that is not integrity to Jesus. Or you have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you don't want to lose the approval and the affirmation you get from them. Well, they might be pushing you to do things that are not honoring to Christ, but the approval you have to them is, is overriding your approval to Christ. And it might be leading you in, in sin. Uh, or the, or the approval of a community. Saying like, we, I want this community of people to, to, to approve of me and to like me. And, and therefore, I might need to cut off some corners of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, what I want to share is that that, up, that approval we're seeking, don't search for shallow answers to it. The reality is a relationship, a boss, a spouse, a community— cannot give you the approval or the affirmation that Christ offers. The reality is, and this is a a sobering reality, if me or you, all of our thoughts got put on a screen or a social media post and went out to everybody, no one would be our friend. Like, no one would want to be in a relationship with them if everyone saw our thoughts. Uh, That includes me, that includes you. But the reality is that all those other people that were looking for for approval would not really approve of us if they really knew us. But the reality is there is one who knows us fully and because of the work of Christ, approves us fully. And that is God. He knows our every thought, every intention, and every deed. And in Christ, he, he sees us and he loves us. And, and what I want to share is like these, these desires can often turn into like a siren song, beautiful music that's actually leading us to destruction and death. And the reality is, uh, as Greek mythology tells us where sirens come from, there is only one way to get through the sirens. And as a worship pastor, I like this. And it is we get to sing a better song, to drown out the siren song. And what I want to give us is, is there is a better song if we're looking for comfort, approval, power, control. Like God is the God of all comfort. Netflix can't offer you that. Like God is the God of all control. A savings account can't offer you that. What I want to say is look to Jesus. He's the one who can actually deliver what we're longing for. So again, these desires, it's not saying don't care about approval. Run to the one who can actually give it. We tracking with that? So I want I to press this, into this word of temptation. Temptation is what we're going to spend the most of our time on. And I, I want to pastor us a little bit here. And this is going to be uh, a little bit unfiltered. Um, two things. One, temptation does not equal sin. Temptation does not equal sin. Scripture says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So temptation is distinct from sin. And what I, what I want to share this is some of you have really soft hearts and sensitive spirits. And that's a really good and beautiful and right thing. But you're tore up about stuff that you should actually be encouraged by. So I want to encourage you as a brother and a pastor and a friend that some of you, I'll, I'll stereotype a little bit here. Maybe saying you're a guy and you, uh, you were tempted to look at some things online that you know aren't honoring Christ, but you didn't. And some of you are tore up about it. Like, oh, I can't believe I was tempted to look at that. And I want to say, did you do it? And I say, no. It's like, that's a God story. <laughs> that's a way, that's sanctification. Like maybe six months ago, you would have, you would have done that, but now you're not. And it, again, the stereotype, maybe you're a gal and, and, and there's, there's uh, anxiety and there's fear and there's maybe is impulse buying and there's things that we, we were doing that might be irresponsible or maybe uh, gossiping or whatever. And, and, and you had these temptations to do it, but you didn't. You held your tongue. You held your credit card. You, you didn't go there. And you're sitting here being like, man, I'm so discouraged. I thought I was past this. I, I didn't think I'd be tempted with this anymore. And I'll be like, well, sister, did you, did you do it? Like, well, no. And I'll be like, that's a win. Like, that's sanctification <laughs> it, it, before our midst. And what I'm saying is that when we stand firm in temptation and don't sin, it actually leads to godly development. And, and temptation is going to lead us to either that godly development of resisting temptation and sin. Or it's going to lead us, temptation will actually lead us to sin. And so what I want to say is is temptation does not equal sin. And then two, temptation is not to be flirted with. Some of us need to hear the opposite word. We've grown comfortable in spaces that are really dangerous. We've grown comfortable in places we shouldn't be comfortable in. Church, Proverbs is full of this. It talks about, can you carry coals next to your chest and not be burned? Again, that literally, some of us are playing with fire and hear this as a brother, as a pastor, as a friend. <laughs> just again, to be like kind of unfiltered with it, watching shows, and I'm not gonna list titles, but watching shows that ain't helping nobody love Jesus, that ain't helping nobody love their neighbor more. You know which ones I'm talking about. Like some of us are just binging this, consuming this, and in it, it's just foolish. It's just dumb. Like the reality of it's full of temptation and we're just consuming it, and we don't have to, is, is not wise. Texting folks, let's say you're, you're married, like texting folks that you should not be texting with. And maybe the texts are, are innocent enough, and there's no actual sin going on in the text, but, but there's a reality of like, I'm flirting with something or someone, where this is leading down a road that is just really dangerous and leads on a path of destruction. Let's say it's like, let us be wise and not foolish. The, the idea of man, maybe we're, we're, we're meditating on thoughts and not taking them captive, again, is dangerous. What I want to say is, is some of us, I want to give a warning, are spending unnecessary time in places and around people that are especially tempting to us. Some of y'all, I want to say, if there's, a, if there's certain people that, that, that tempt you to drink more than you should, don't go out to places with them alone. Bring a brother, bring a sister. Maybe don't go to those spots alone with them. Again, there's nothing sinful about going to a certain location. Sin is in our hearts. It's not in a location. But the reality is certain places were more susceptible to sin. Let us not be foolish and just run into those places, especially alone. Again, maybe there's a, a guy who you work with that's flirtatious with you and you find yourself being, being compromising in ways at work that you're like, I don't want to be communicating like this with this person. Don't go to work meetings maybe alone with them if you don't have to. Like, bring somebody in. Work in in spaces where you're not alone with these people. Like, and the idea is here, I'm not saying we shouldn't be missional and go into places or do things. I'm saying who's influencing who? Like, are we being shaped or are we shaping others? And what I'm getting at is this idea of don't go running into temptation. Temptation is not to be flirted with. In the face of temptation the faithful response is to either flee it or to fight it. And what I want to give us some encouragement is that God is faithful, church. His word says he gives the way of escape. And here's the reality. Nobody just wakes up one morning and says, how did I end up sleeping with somebody who's not my spouse? Like, it doesn't just happen. Many a decision were made down the line and I want to say this way back up in the line. Let us resist temptation. That doesn't take us on this path. Nobody just wakes up and says, I don't know how I got drunk. <laughs> like there was a decision made to go to that place to, 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 to purchase that beverage. Like there's a reality of let us, let us be wise. Let us resist temptation. Let us flee as he provides the way of escape. And there's certain scenarios we just literally can't physically get out of. And the reality is God provides the way of escape because he provides his spirit inside of us. God gives us a spirit so we can stand firm and fight, wielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in our heart, believing the truth. The reality is we have everything we need to stand firm. We can flee temptation. We can fight temptation. We're never just merely victims in all of this. Temptation comes from within us, but also we have to recognize that what the word of God says, temptation also comes from a tempter. And I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about we have an enemy. And in James 4, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what I want to say about temptation, is, it's not the same as sin. And it's not to be flirted with. And remember, God leads no one into temptation. Jesus says in Matthew 18, cursed is the one who through temptations come. That is the tempter. That is Satan. That is the devil. Jesus teaches us to pray. God lead us not into temptation. And what I want to say, church, it we should be praying things like, God, I don't want temptation. Don't lead me into temptation. Keep temptation far from me. Like we should not be praying or enabling temptation around us. We should be praying, lead us not into temptation like Jesus teaches us. But if we do find ourselves in situations of temptation and trial and testing, your will be done. If I am going to be tested and tried, and tempted, we move to the second big idea, which is deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. Or another reading, deliver us from the evil one. See, this this last line of the Lord's Prayer reminds us we fight a real enemy who really hates us, who really hates our faith, who really hates our king, and really wants to impede your allegiance to Jesus. There is real evil in the world led by the evil one. Satan, the tempter, he is a roaring lion waiting to devour. He is the father of lies, and he comes to lie, to kill, to destroy, to tempt. So we pray, God, deliver us. We say, God, deliver us. And I want to notice who delivers. This is really important. Our father, this prayer, again, our father in heaven, he's the one who delivers us from evil. Praise God that he's stronger than all sin. He is stronger than all evil. He is stronger than all brokenness. Our God is the one who is stronger than sin, Satan, and death. We need him. We are dependent on him for deliverance. And I also want to say deliverance, deliver us from evil. Deliverance is an event and it's a process. See, the event is justification. When you put your faith in Jesus, you got saved. That ain't changing. You are secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand, those who I place my love on. There's a reality of you are saved. You got saved. Eternal life, by very definition, can't be lost. You are secure in Christ. We are not stronger than Jesus. Our sin is not stronger than Jesus. God's not changing his mind about us. You are secure. You have been delivered from the penalty and punishment of sin. You are forgiven. But the process of deliverance is sanctification. You are becoming more like Jesus, which means you are being delivered from the power and the effects of sin in your life over a lifetime. So deliverance is a process and an event. And this line in the Lord's Prayer, talking about temptation and now evil, It's really getting at an important idea here. We need to be saved from the sin inside of us and the sin outside of us. Um, The message, actually version of this text, is really, really helpful, which I want to say about the message, it's a really helpful devotional tool and use it as that. Uh, Eugene Peterson says about this text, he interprets it, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Temptation comes from without and within. There is temptation because there is a tempter and we have sinful desires. There is evil in, in the world because there is an evil one and there is evil inside of us. There's a reality that we need holistic rescue. We're in need of holistic saving. We're in need of holistic healing. Jesus, save me from the temptation and evil and brokenness in myself. Save me from the evil one. And, and, and save me from the brokenness in the world. We must be saved from the sin that indwells and the sin that assails us. Jesus, save us from the evil in our hearts, the evil in the world, and the evil one. And the good news <laughs> is that's exactly what the good news of Jesus does. So we've been talking about temptation, talking about the evil one, talking about evil, and uh, I think we're due uh, for some good news. I would, uh, I'd be a pretty bad preacher if I didn't uh, bring us to the foot of the cross and bring us some good news. So three bits of good news here. One, Jesus stood firm in temptation. He is the better Adam. When facing temptation in the garden, Jesus was faithful this prayer isn't theoretical for Jesus, this Lord's prayer, for he echoes it in the garden on his way to victory. But what does he say? He says, take this cup from me, Father. He says, if we can avoid this me being tortured to death, to, 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 be, to bring about salvation and healing in the world, there's a reality of Jesus saying, like, let's take that cup from me. Deliver me from this evil. But what does he say? But your will be done. This prayer Jesus echoes faithfully to victory. Jesus resisted temptation. And two, Jesus has won. Jesus has defeated evil. He died. He rose again. Death could not hold our king. Evil has not the last word. The end of the scripture says that the evil in us will on the last day be purged. The scriptures say the evil in the world will be eradicated and that the evil one will be defeated. One day our faith will be made sight And we will dwell with God in new creation. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And again, gates aren't offensive weapons that were taken up to battle. The gates are a stronghold. And the church will overcome the gates of hell. Because our king is alive. His kingdom is stronger. He is April. He has the victory. As the old hymn says, this is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong feels off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died will be satisfied and earth and heaven be won. Jesus wins. And if you are in Christ, you have victory with him. So Jesus stood firm in temptation. Jesus has won through his glorious death and resurrection. And indeed, the same spirit that that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal bodies. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives you life, Christian. You can stand firm for the spirit of the living God is inside of you. You can resist temptation. You can endure evil. You can change because the Holy Spirit is inside. It's not because I'm strong enough. It's not because you're strong enough. Our God is strong enough and he empowers us. And this is good news. If it's not started by me, if it's not sustained by me, it won't be finished by me. It was started by God. It's sustained by God. It's going to be finished by God. For he is the one who delivers. He is the one who is stronger. See, you have everything again you need, Christian, to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is inside of you and greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Temptation, evil, sin, Satan, they don't have the last word. The risen Christ does and his word is life. Amen. Amen. To this good news, which indeed is good news, in closing, the only appropriate response is praise. The only appropriate response is praise. We say amen to the refrain that was added to this prayer. For yours, God, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. We say amen and amen and amen to that. To Jesus belongs the kingdom, he is the king. To our God belongs all power and glory forever. He is the rock of ages. Jesus meant it when he said pray like this. He meant it. He meant it when he said pray like this, church. Pray this prayer word for word. I encourage you this week, let us memorize this prayer. Write it on a note card, put it in your Bible. Let us memorize this prayer. Let it be quick on our lips. But also use this prayer as a guide for your prayers. Use this as as, as a structure to build the vine of prayer upon. This prayer is a gift from Jesus to help us commune with our Father and to help us be faithful in the fight. Church, this prayer, it's our song, it's our story, it's our cry, and it's our calling. So let us be faithful in it. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would enable us, you would empower us for the temptations, the trials, and the tests before us, God. We need you. God, you're good. Help us to stand firm in your way. Help us to resist temptation. For those of us that have soft hearts right now, Lord, would, would, would they be encouraged as they are fighting the good fight? And Lord, would there be conviction where conviction needs to go? Would there be comfort where comfort needs to go? Holy Spirit, would you bring about in every heart what needs to be heard? Would we stand firm? Would we not flirt with temptation, but would we fight it? Would we flee it for your glorious name, Jesus? Save us, deliver us from the evil in us. Save us from the evil in the world and save us from the evil one. Save us from ourselves. Protect us from the devil. We need you, God. We're dependent on you. Empower us to be faithful for the fight. Thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we have your spirit to empower us. We need every bit of that. We need every single ounce of strength we can get from you. So Lord, help us. Help us pray this prayer. Help us to be a praying people. God, we need you. We love you. We surrender to you. And now we respond to you. In your son's perfect and holy name. Amen.